you can waste your lives drawing lines or you can live your life crossing them. Shonda Rhimes. You're listening to The Real Estate Investor Show, episode number 12. Welcome, ladies, to The Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. We are thrilled to chat with Megan Shomut on today's show. Megan is based in Canada and is a rental property owner and certified financial planner who specializes in helping rental property owners design custom financial plans and tax strategies to get them where they want. On today's very full episode with this mother of almost four kids, we discuss the importance of behavior in financial planning, how to get aligned with your spouse and or partner, the number one missed expense when evaluating rental deals, and even how to save time grocery shopping. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. And we are really excited about having uh, our phenomenal guest, uh, Megan, here in a moment. We're going to introduce her. But as we kick things off for this interview, we thought it'd be a, a nice way to kind of start things by talking about what we're most excited about. Because you know what? In life, we can sometimes focus on what we're not excited about and what we're frustrated by. So, and I, I also, that also happens to me. So I really wanted to think about what am I most excited about, you know, today in this moment. And I have to tell you, we're putting together a really phenomenal Facebook group for the real estate investor community. And, you know, just women in real estate investing. You have to, if you're a woman, you're a real estate investor, you, we want you part of this community. And what, what I'm most excited about is that each week, Andressa and I are going to go back and forth and talk about what's working in our businesses and what's not working in our businesses. So it's going to be like behind the scenes and real, real investing advice versus, you know, just, uh, you know, s- stories that mean nothing. So Andressa, Am I forgetting anything? Am I missing anything? Um, I think that the most important thing is that we are creating a support group where women support other women and where we can go and ask questions and give the support to each other. You can go there and say, hey, I really like this uh, podcast episode. I just have a couple of questions. And you ask those questions that other people might have as well. And we can create that community where we go one-stop shop and we support each other. So if you are interested, go to www.therealestateinvestor.com and you can sign up there or go direct to our Facebook page, Investor Community, and ask to join the group. And then we go from there. Awesome. That's great. And we're going to be building that community and we'll be sharing more about that as we continue, but wanted to mention that. So welcome, Megan. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're excited to have you on this, uh, on this episode. So, so you call yourself the investment property advisor, which when I read that, I was just like, I love that. That's awesome. I, you know, I just, I just got such a great little, um, you know, ring to it. <laughs> so, so you're a financial consultant for rental property owners and, and house flippers. And uh, Megan's from Canada and she's going to tell us all about herself. But as we jump into this, you know, you bring a really unique perspective. You're, you're an investor and, and you are a consultant to other investors. So we'd love to hear, you know, how you got into this business and what motivated you to become a consultant helping uh, property owners. And, uh, and we're going to get into a lot of pieces because this is a hot topic for women, women and money and that whole, you know, that whole 
you know, situation that can happen when we, when we process that. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So a little bit about me and my background is that I have been in the investment and finance space for over a decade. I got my degree in finance and economics. I got actually my first uh, job. I moved overseas and worked at the Royal Bank of Scotland. And I did that corporate thing for a little while. And it was a good experience. But it was also the experience that taught me that I wanted my clients to be actual people instead of bank branches. So when I moved back home to Canada, I got a job at an investment firm working with families and people getting close to retirement. While I was there, I got my CFP designation, which is Certified Financial Planner. And owning investment properties has been something that's always been on my radar, but it's not something that really gets you get a lot of education on in terms of my finance degree in terms of my even my cfp designation there wasn't a lot of background knowledge there so i just started talking about it with my partners at the firm with friends and family and when i bought my first investment property a few years ago a lot of people told me that i was making a mistake because it's risky and it's kind of scary. So then when I started to feel nervous, I felt like I kind of didn't have anybody I could talk to <laughs> about it because I didn't want to go to the other advisors at my firm with my my tail between my legs saying like, "Ah, maybe you were right. Um maybe I'm in over my head." And so I had to learn everything on my own. I had to learn all the ins and outs of, is it a profitable property? Is it, how do I handle the taxes? All the things. So I had to create my own systems, my own processes. And that's kind of where I was doing these two hats. I was doing the CFP hat. I was doing the um, investor hat. And I was consulting myself, which sometimes is, it's hard. And when I started my own practice, I thought, I'm going to start my own practice. W- what kind of people am I going to work with? And I thought, you know, I need a, I need a me. <laughs> there, there's got to be other people that need a me, which is like the ability to have a phone call from a tenant saying the heat's not coming on having a discussion right after that phone call saying to my husband, we're selling that property. I'm sick of this. And then putting that advisor hat on and saying, remember, (laughs) remember why you got into this in the first place. Let's take the emotion out of it and let's remind ourselves what we're in it for. So um, that's, that's my background on it. That's awesome. It's, it's great that you're, I have, sometimes I have the same, the same thought. Uh, I need more of me so I can kind of like <laughs> duplicate, you know? So that's why we're creating this community so we can find ourselves in other people and just support each other. I want to talk about the elephant in the room. We're talking about finance and there is yes. a myth that women does not know or like numbers. And I know some of them just get so overwhelmed with the numbers in front of them and that prevent them to start investing. 
So I want to talk about it because I think that the gener generation that we are um, dealing with right now is not going to be the same in the future. And hopefully we can change that stereotype in the future. And then women will just forget to say that sentence. Um, I'm not good at numbers, right? What, what are your thoughts on that topic? Well, one thing that I do say a lot about finance is finance is 20% numbers and 80% behavior. So it doesn't matter if you don't like numbers because it's such a small percentage of it. Or let me worry about the numbers for you or hire somebody else to worry about the numbers for you. It's okay to not like numbers. I don't like I don't have that. So I do like numbers. So that's just the way my brain is programmed. But you know what I don't have? I don't have a creative bone in my body. So one thing I, I've tried to shift that to say, it's not that I don't have a creative bone in my body. It's that I haven't gotten good at it yet. <laughs> it's coming. The more that I work on it, the more easily it will flow. But my house is, still decorated but I've gotten help from friends family my husband has had ideas so as a person whether it's a woman or a man feels like they just don't can't resonate with the numbers or they feel heavy when they're talking numbers it's just it's such a small part of the whole equation that you'll You'll get comfortable with it eventually. You don't have to get comfortable with it right away. It's interesting. So you're saying 20% are the numbers and 80% yes. is the behavior. Yes. So, so talk to us a little bit about what does that look like in terms of the behavior part? Okay. So if I have somebody who's, who comes to me saying, okay, this is what I want. These are my investments or my, my these are my numbers. These are my budget. This is how much I make, whatever. I can give them a plan and I can say, okay, you need to save this amount. You need to apply this amount to debt every, let's say, week, month, whatever strategy would be more convenient for them. It's their behavior that is going to either screw everything up or accelerate them to success quicker. So the numbers don't lie. The numbers are going to tell you what is your reality you're black and white or sometimes red but your behavior and your reaction to those numbers and the steps you take every day and the mentality that you take and the choices that you're making are what going, are going to either tilt those numbers in your favor or pull them backwards so that you're not meeting your goals so what's a what's a client like a client story you can share. Cause I, I, you know, I hear what you're saying and I think it's, it's such an important topic, right? Mm -hmm. We say we want to be financially free, but then the next week we make the decisions and we, you know, buy something that was just not necessary. Right. And it's not yes. consistent, right? We say one thing, but what our behavior isn't consistent. So yes. share with us maybe, you know, one of the clients you work with, obviously don't give their name or anything, or, you know, right. but, but share a little, you know, share one of the stories that really speaks to you about this this equation and and what behaviors people women really need to be able to do in order to get what they want because that's what it's about right we're all doing this so we could achieve financial freedom in a in a balanced insane way that's why we're doing this podcast so for you what women have you worked with that you know that you've seen them mm -hmm. you know what you know what shifts could they make or you know just curious like yeah. what was their goal and then what behaviors did they need to do to support their goals yes well sometimes 
because a lot of the clients that I'm working with are younger families. So there's not just one person making the financial decisions in the house. So um, I can, I can work with the client. We can go over the numbers and that's where we start working step-by-step in terms of the behavior. So it's just like giving them the numbers almost lays out a roadmap that makes their goals more, more in their, in their tunnel vision. This is something that can happen for me instead of just saying, this is something I eventually want to do. So the behavior part of it and the, the blips in the system that can come up are when two people are trying to follow this roadmap with, with different strategies. Mm. So one of the ways that I try to get the behavior into more of a, um, like a uniform, like to take the emotion almost out of the behavior, which kind of doesn't make sense. But um, I try to, some, some of the little tools are, maybe doing a monthly meeting recap. So let's review our numbers on the same number. Doesn't have to be the same day, but it, it could be like on the 10th of every month, we're going to just sit down after the kids go to bed or while we're drinking our coffee in the morning. And we're just going to say, this is our debt. This is our assets. Are we, are we closer or further from our goal? Did we do a good month or a bad month? The other, cause it's just numbers. So now it's like, it's putting you back into check. The other strategy that I do with some clients is a cash budget. So it's hard sometimes when you're working with two people from the same pot. So you might pick up supper, he might pick up supper, or she, you know your partner might pick up supper. And by having a cash envelope system, you know what's left in the pot. So it's kind of in terms of that 80% behavior and working with clients, it's like, okay, we're going to just, let's do just four weeks, see how you feel about the whole plan, see how it went. And then tell me all the fights you had, tell me all the blips you had. And we're going to try to work out a system so that it takes that behavior out and it makes it mindless. I think that's so important. And you're touch base on a subject where, a lot of folks that are together don't talk about their financial strategies or the way that they deal with finance. And when it happens, it already happens. So yes. what they do is to have, you know, conflicts and try to understand how does that work. So you're touching me on, on the, such a key point about really sitting down and seeing, you know, some one of the partners, partners might be uh, – risk taker and the other one more conservative how can you combine those so both are working towards the same goal i feel that i just imagine them like inside a boat rolling to one direction the other one rolling to another direction and they're like spinning around basically and then they don't know why they didn't get to their their financial goal their final goal might be to have a rental where cash flows every single month, but their strategies are different. So I like mm -hmm. what you're saying about checking and testing things and seeing how, how it goes. Majority yes. of people, I, I think my perspective is that they make the investment and then think about it after. So 
I want to hear from you. Where are the common mistakes that people that come to you after they already purchased the rental or are investing on something that financially actually didn't make any sense? What are the common yes. mistakes that you have gone through? Well, luckily, I actually haven't run into, so I haven't run into that quite yet. I keep my fingers crossed, knock on wood. <laughs> Um, but I do have clients that are coming to me now saying, um, I have this property in mind. What do you think? So um, I've become a resource for them saying, just as a second opinion, if you were looking at this property, would you buy it kind of idea, which is really good. The one of the problems that I have seen, though, is that one partner – is more motivated than the other. So that one partner had the idea, I think we should buy a rental property. Okay. Then every time an issue comes up, that other partner is saying, this was a mistake. So it makes it very heavy for the other partner to say, no, 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 we didn't make a mistake. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, so kind of ironing out that, um, because it is, it, is, it is a higher risk. I mean, it's like taking on a part-time job. So when both parties aren't both feed in, I feel like that sometimes can cause the, the bigger issue than maybe buying a property that isn't cash flowing or, you know, an after the fact kind of thing. Megan, what, what strategies or what process have you taken couples to move through that? Because it's not an easy conversation and it's a conversation that needs to be had. You mm -hmm. know, I know when my husband and I started, we were both, we both had the same value of being, you know, being into delayed gratification. We knew that by starting a business and investing in real estate, we weren't going to buy the big home initially. Uh, and we were going to drive used cars. We just had this, you know, we just wanted to keep our expenses down because my husband was going to quit his job and go for it, so to speak, and me supporting us financially at the beginning. So we were aligned and, and we had a lot of tough conversations and we did our own, you know, process and, and but we stumbled upon that. And ha had we had this like, okay, do this, do that, and then do that, it would have been a lot more helpful and, and it would have yes. really decreased the fights and the disconnects and we were even aligned. So I'm curious, how do you help couples or how could, you know, a woman listening to this episode, what can she do to align with her husband, you know, and, and yes. what, what specifically, what can she do? Okay. So the very, one of the very first questions I always ask people, whether they're, they're already clients or they are just having an introduction meeting with me is... Number one, why did, do you want to buy that property or why did you? And it's not because you're interested in it. We're all interested in a lot of different things. Why did you buy it? So for some people, it might be cash flow. Why? What's, I, I understand cash flow, but why did you want more cash flow? So, so if I'm looking at my personal situation, when we bought our rental property, I bought it, we bought it, because I want to be a snowbird, okay? So I don't want to be here in the winter. I want to be able to have that one property fund my winters somewhere hot. Okay, so that's, our, that's my why, 
It's not because I'm interested, which I am. It's not because of cash flow, which is also true. It's because I want to go away in the winters. So we bought a house that was, how do I put this nicely? It was a duplex and both units were atrocious. <laughs> one, unit, <laughs> one unit was a super, super heavy smoker. The other unit was a hoarder, which was, wow. <laughs> it not only was that person a hoarder, but they, I don't know how many people were living there, but it was just, it was bad. Mm. So while we were renting, because we did all the work together, me and my husband, while we were renovating it, we blasted reggae. I'd be crying, saying, oh, my gosh, what have we done? What have we done? Then I'd hear Bob Marley, and here I am. I'm back on board. I know my why. I know my why. Same with when we get a phone call, and my husband says, let's just sell it. Let's just sell it. Okay, well, if we sell it, what will we make? If we put that away, will that cash flow our snowbird lifestyle? If the answer is yes, let's do it. It's an investment. It's not, you know, it's not a member of our family. It's not something that we're attached to, but we know our why. So everything always goes back to that. But then we're in a, like, I'm, I'm not close to that goal yet. Things change. So when your why changes, everything else kind of needs to get reevaluated. So when we, when we had our third child and I decided that I was going to start my own practice, my why changed and said, you know what, I can delay that snowbird if I can stay home with her and work part-time for myself. Does that still make sense? So my why changed, everything else changed. But we were both, both feet in knowing our why. So if the why isn't the same for the two people, that's where the discussion has to be had. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Also, you guys bounce um, opinions uh, on each other. And I think that a lot of people out there, there's tons of blogs, financial gurus talking about finances. And then uh, you're interested in buying this duplex and you go ask your uncle Joe, who works nine to five at the post office, nothing against people that work at post office, okay? But you're asking <laughs> Uncle Joe, uh, what does he think about it, right? And, and then he's going to say, oh, hell no, it's too risky. So getting the advice from the right people, quote unquote, right people, is just, will, will give you a more accurate feedback on on yeah. what type of investment you you, you want to take do you agree with that 100 yeah, that is one of the biggest things i always try to advocate because there are a lot of financial experts who are self-proclaimed so what make your financial expert because you paid off debt um you have no kids oh it was just you oh okay that situation is not the same as mine. So you may be a financial expert for that type of person, but you are not the type for me. It's kind of like if you have kids and you cannot get them to bed, you're not going to go ask your single friend for advice. 
you're going to ask somebody who has kids who are maybe a little bit older than yours. So just like you don't get parenting advice from your single friend, you don't get financial advice from somebody who isn't one or two steps ahead of you. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. And I, I want to circle back to Megan when you said to keep I always call it peeling back the onion, like when you said about the why. I think, you know, we all can do that where we say, Well, well why do you want to buy more property? Oh, I want passive income. But what what, real, what, what do you really want? Right. Mm-hmm. And you just keep asking, you keep peeling back the onion. I think that's so important that you mentioned that. And you know, I just wanted to mention that you have to do that with your partner. Uh, because you might both want quote unquote passive income, but do you really want the same thing? And I, and I think to your point, you got to keep kind of getting a little deeper, a little deeper here, you know, um, mm-hmm. listening to a great book right now. And the couple was asking each other, what does prosperity mean to each other? And, and one person's definition of prosperity is very different than someone else's mm-hmm. definition of prosperity. So they both may want it, but is it, you know, is it aligned? So I just wanted to, I think that's a great tip for, for women to, to gather of why do they want to buy that rental or to expand their portfolio and to be on the same page with their partner. The, the other question to, to just shift gears for a moment would be, you know, evaluating property is probably one of the most most difficult but most important things to do when buying a rent a rental you know uh, property whether it's a duplex whether it's a you know 100 unit it really doesn't matter you have to evaluate it and evaluate it properly so I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about your experience with that and your work with clients as well as evaluating your own deals what are the numbers because you know income expenses right I mean you know if you're if you're not a moron you know those two things but most importantly <laughs> Well, you actually may not. People may not. But most people are like, yeah, I know my income, my expenses. I'm good. Well, you know, it's not that simple. <laughs> so what have you found to be, I know, you have a, I know you have a bunch of worksheets and some really neat tools. What have you found to be some of the specific, you know, specific line items when you're evaluating rental, por- rental properties, especially in the, today's market, I, I might add, because property is more expensive. People want more properties and, and they're doing more deals and they're paying more for properties right now. I mean, we're getting, we're getting off, I'm get, we're offering properties and they're countering. We're like, yeah, that's ridiculous. This is craziness. So the market out there, people are paying too much, I think, for, for rentals. But anyway, what have you found to be the line items, specific line items that people forget to account for when they're evaluating mm-hmm. rental properties? The vacancy. Hmm. I think that the biggest factor that is getting ignored is that your unit may be empty and that not only may it be empty, but it should be empty because when you're, when you're trying to um, get a new tenant in, you need to be really, really picky. So you don't want to feel like you need a tenant immediately. You want to feel like you're looking for the right tenant. So, um, so another thing that I do in my practice is I work with other financial advisors on their clients stuff, just as a, as an expert and and consultant on the real estate side of their portfolio. And when they are entering in into their financial plan, the income, they're asking their clients, what do you get for rent? What is the typical expense annually? And that's what they're putting in. So it's like, your retirement and all those plans aren't accounting for vacancy. They're not accounting for the increase in costs. They're not accounting for repairs and maintenance. Yeah. I feel like 
And that's another thing. A lot of the clients will come to me and say, okay, these are the numbers. And I'll say, well, what about vacancy? And they'll be like, oh, the market here is really good. Hmm. Yeah, the market can, can be really good today. But as a rental unit, it's a long-term investment. In five years, it may, it may be, look slightly different. What's the average that you've seen it? 5% vacancy, would you say? I, well, for right now, in, it depends, I feel, on the geographic area you're looking at. Sure. Um, but I feel like anywhere between four and six is, is average. Um, if you feel like being conservative, use 10, but use something. Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about a very exciting topic, taxes. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know you you did it twice. You lived in a your primary house, rehabbed it, and after two years you guys sold it for a great profit and then moved out um and sold it tax free. I did it too, so it was great. It's just uh leaving the uh, the house for two years and not paying capital gain, it's a strategy that works. So talk about that in more detail because I think that a lot of people are not aware of it. Well, I think that the rules are different based on where you're living. So for for us, it's 12 months only. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Over here, it's 24. Good, good reason to move to Canada. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Um, but it is a great strategy. Actually, I was listening to a podcast your podcast it was a few episodes ago or maybe it was the most recent one but the the woman had bought as her first home a multi-unit come on like if i would have known that before like you learn as you go kind of thing is if i was a single person without kids and i could do that oh that would have been a, a better strategy for me because what we did was we bought a house we started renovating it and then we had a baby and we had to live in the renovation mm. which was terrible and but then we sold it for the profit so it was it was and we did get to put the whole thing right into our bank account we didn't have to claim it on taxes we didn't have to have to worry about anything but i mean there's there's all these opportunities there's If you know this is just a, a temporary living space for, let's say, 24 months, maybe a multi-unit would be better. But maybe a rehab is better because if you just want to turn it over, then it's, yeah, it's tax-free, lump sum money. Yeah, and what are the, the biggest write-offs that you, you've seen? The biggest write-offs I've seen, um, there aren't a lot of write-offs that you can make against rent that I feel are significant. So um, anything that is a huge expense, like let's say um, replacing a foundational wall, isn't a write-off. It gets put back into the value of the home. So I don't know if that's different in the States than it is in Canada, but um, people try to claim it, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it doesn't work out. So we would just recommend to everybody that is listening to us from Jamaica to Australia to Brazil to, to check with your CPA mm-hmm. and, and follow the regulations where you're leaving it. Yes, because you can try to do whatever you want, but whatever government you file your taxes to, they will correct it for you pretty quickly. 
You bet. <laughs> Megan, in terms of just uh, shifting gears, I, I also wanted to ask you, how do you help investors prepare to purchase larger deals or more deals? So in other words, they have a, they have a rental portfolio, it's working for them, but they're growing it. And I think that's also uh, a piece of a lot of our listeners, a lot of the women that are, are in our community and listening to our podcast, they have some rental units, they're, they're growing their portfolio. How do they financially prepare? Because so many times, you know, we talk about, you know, just goal set and, and look for that big apartment building, but people aren't preparing properly for the financial impact of, you know, those, those decisions. So I'm curious, you know, what do you, what do you suggest to your, you know, to your clients when they're looking to purchase either more or bigger rental properties? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that not only are you making a smart choice in terms of the investment property, but also that you feel really confident about your own personal numbers. So if something were to happen, an emergency or, you know, heaven forbid something tragic, on the personal side of things, are you okay? So owning investment properties can be very stressful and it can get very stressful very quickly. So if you are dealing with two stressful weights on you, your own personal finances and that of your investments, it's too much. So let's just deal with one of those um, obligations at a time. So if on the personal side of things, you might be leveraged a little too much, maybe you have a little bit more debt than you're comfortable with, then just wait. But if when you get your statements and you see that big debt number, that causes your body to go into shock, maybe just take a moment. Deals are going to come up. It's going to be okay. It's okay to say no. So um, in terms of having your feeling really comfortable in your own financial skin, then I would say if you don't, then let's figure out why and let's fix it. And then let's go buy more properties. So let's only take on one headache at a time. <laughs> there you go. And Megan, you, you have three kids right now and soon to be, you know, mom of the fourth. Yes. And as an investor, as a consultant, as a mom, as a wife, as a daughter, how do you balance it all? I knew. Well, and it's funny because I, I knew I've been listening to your podcast. I know you guys ask questions about balance and it's like, I don't know how I balance it all, to be honest. Like I might not be doing it very well, <laughs> but you know, one of the things I, I was told when I got married was to pick your battles. So that's something that's really resonated with me in every facet of my life is, you know, if my, I have, I don't have OCD, but I have, I like things done a particular way, stupid, stupid things like folding laundry. If my husband is helping me fold the laundry, but he's not putting the things, he's leaving them inside out or he's, you know, doing all the things. I got to pick my battles. So it's something I'm just going to let go because he's helping me. He might not be helping me in the way that I want to be helped, but it's, get, it's getting done and it's one last thing on my to-do list that I'm doing. Um, I also don't, I, I'm really good at saying no. 
So well, that's big. <laughs> I'm, I've always been good at it. I don't know. I always say I have, I've only child syndrome, even though I'm not an only child. I, um, I just know what I want. And if what, like we have a rule in our house that we only do one thing a day. So if we get invited to two birthday parties on the same day, we're not going to try to make them both work. We're going to pick one and we're going to have to say no to the other. So that we're, 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 when we're doing something, we're present. When we're doing something, it's because we want to be there. Um, I don't feel guilty because I don't want, um, I don't want people to feel obligated to come to my events or have to say yes to me if they want to say no. So I'm really good at saying no. And I pick my battles. Those are great. You know, I, 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 was, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I have to say amen right now, because I think so many times what you're saying is that women, we just have this need to just pack a lot in. I, I am victim mm-hmm. to that. You know, the one thing, one, the one activity a day, what a great, what a great rule. My kids mm-hmm. are little, but as they get older, they're going to get invited to different things. They're not as, as much now, but so that's a great, well, that's a great tip. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that from you. And it's not only getting invited, it's having obligations. So as your kids get older, they're doing soccer, they're playing a sport, they're doing an activity. And it's like, well, you're going to have to pick. So we're either doing this or you're doing your activity. We're not going to do both. That's awesome. That's great, Megan. I appreciate that because I, uh, I, I need all the tips we can get as, as we get these little ones start. We all need, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it continues. So uh, before, before Jessica gets to our, our fabulous three questions, we'd love to ask you or invite you to share with the listeners, uh, where, can, where can women learn more about you and the, the practice mm-hmm. that you have? Well, my website is meganchomut.com. Um, I'm just getting started on social media. So any social media outlet, I'm pretty sure you can find me there is Megan Chomut. Um, I thought that I would offer to your audience a special, um, get your finances organized workbook that I have. So if they go to meganchomut.com slash podcast, they can download it there and all my, all my information is there so they can always reach out and ask questions. that's great. Thank you for that. And uh, you can go to our show notes to get all the, those information as well. So let me get to our fabulous three. So Megan, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Okay, hands down. I don't even have to think about it. Um, this is going to sound kind of dramatic, which I'm not, but <laughs> this book has truly changed my life. And the book is Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. And if you, if anyone hasn't read it, they need to read it. It's not a business book. It's not really a anything book. It's more like a research book. And it's all about the power of thinking without thinking. So it's all about, mm. um, if you feel like you, you know, somebody who just like is a brilliant decision maker and, and everything else like seems to fall into their lap it's kind of those, you know, peek behind the curtains and, and look at their decision-making process. And he talks all about the science of making decisions and, and really trusting your gut and going into the research of it. So he talks about, you know, a psychologist that just by meeting a couple can tell if they're going to make it or not. Or um, he talks about a tennis coach that can tell just by the, 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 
what's it called? Rallying of two tennis players, which one's going to win. So wow. um, it's, it's just a, a, a reaffirmation that you already have the tools inside of you to make decisions and, and make smart, smart decisions that are right for you. And it has, it's a game changer. Wow. I'm a book addict. So I'm definitely going mm-hmm. to buy out a book and downloading that right now. <laughs> you sold mm-hmm. me that. So for the second question is, uh, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life besides choosing one activity per day? Uh, I would say not headache, not to give it a negative term, but a financial blip in my, my budget is grocery shopping. Mm. So one of, the, one of the routines that we have is every day kind of has a theme so that when I'm grocery shopping or when I'm making supper, because like you girl said, I have three kids, one on the way, that's the equivalent to about 8,000 children. And <laughs> they, are, they are bottomless. So knowing what I'm making for supper and having going grocery shopping sometimes without a list can sometimes be too much to handle. So for every day of the week, we have a theme. So Mondays, we know we're having breakfast. Tuesdays, we know we're having tacos. Wednesdays, we're definitely having chicken. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be chicken. So that kind of daily um, expectation is already there. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to implement it. I'm implementing everything that people are telling me that works. Okay, let's do it. And the third and last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Um, this question is so hard. I, have so, I am super blessed to have amazing women in my life. I come from a really big family. Both of my parents are one of six kids. So I have lots of grandmas and my mom is amazing. And I have so many aunties. Um, I've also been blessed with lots of amazing colleagues and friends. Um, but I, if I have to pick somebody that I can also share, so I can't really share my mom. But if I can pick somebody that you can also look into as well, there's a woman who started... She's really started a movement called One Woman, and her stance is that one woman can change the world. So her name is Sharla Brown, and she is just, she she gives so easily. So like she just can tell you stories and, and give you motivation. And I just feel so inspired by her. It almost seems like endless giving it's wow. it's truly inspiring and she's such a good storyteller she told one story i went to one of her events and she told this story she goes to amazing countries and helps out and you know she does all the things she's she's an amazing woman and she told this story of um this woman in africa who she was staying with and she was talking about her house and how she had done so well. She had all these goats and, you know, she was a businesswoman. And she's like, you are truly a leader. And the, the African woman just stood at the river and she put her hands on her hips and she said, yes, I am a leader. <laughs> and Charlotte said she owned it. And that's what everybody 
should do is when you get a compliment, like, wow, you are doing great things with your real estate portfolio, or, or you're being a really good mom, or whatever it is. It's like, well, yes, thank you. Yes, I am doing that. I am doing that really well. Yes. Yes, thank you. Like, own it and take it on. That's great. I, I just wrote. I just wrote down all the different answers you just gave. I'm like, I got it. All right. Number one, I'm having teams every night for dinner. Awesome idea. I got to meet this woman, Sharla, with one woman and I got to own it. I love it. So own it. Megan, thank you so much for being on our show today. We, we really feel, we feel very fortunate to have interviewed you and picked your brain and we just, we love what you're up to and uh, just appreciate the time you put aside to connect with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. And I truly think that by having a safe place for women to fall and a safe place to go and ask questions is one thing that is lacking in this industry because it is sometimes an old boys club. And sometimes you go and you try to ask questions and instead of getting answers, you feel stupid. So what you guys are doing is, is, truly, is truly needed in this industry. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you. We really appreciate all your insight and being so kind, sharing your, your thoughts and other folks that we might be reaching out to. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.